it's Tax Credit Tuesday, and I'm Michael Novogratik. This weekly podcast is presented by Novogratik & Company, LLP, a national accounting and consulting firm. I invite you to learn more about our company and the professional services we provide by checking us out online at www.novoco.com. Today is Tuesday, September 1, 2009. I'm back in beautiful San Francisco. My family and I are back from our trip to Peru and the Galapagos Islands. This week, we will review a recently released status update from the chairman of the City of Five Funds Community Development Advisory Board. Then, we will review a report released last month that evaluates two housing programs funded by Proposition 1C, a $2.85 billion California housing bond measure. But first, we have breaking news about the LIHTC exchange program. Last week, we learned that the Treasury Department would amend its policy regarding the time limitation within which state housing credit agencies must disperse funds received under Section 1602 of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Tax Act of 2009. In a notice officially published yesterday, the Treasury Department says it has determined that the requirement that state agencies must disperse Section 1602 long-term housing tax credit exchange program funds by December 31, 2010 is overly restricted and may preclude funding of otherwise eligible projects that may not reach final completion by the end of 2010. Therefore, an interim rule was published in the August 31 Federal Register that allows state housing credit agencies, under certain conditions, to disperse exchange fund programs to subawardees after December 31, 2010, up until December 31, 2011. Under this rule, state housing credit agencies are required to return to the Treasury any funds not used to make subawards by December 31, 2010. However, once a subaward has been made, a state can continue to disperse funds for the subaward through December 31, 2011, provided the project is at least 30% complete by the end of 2010. In related news, last week, the Treasury Department also announced that approximately $309 million in funds would be allocated through the exchange program. The funds announced on August 26th include $34 million to Arizona, $16 million to Connecticut, $95 million for North Carolina, $3.6 $3.6 million for North Dakota, $41 million to Pennsylvania, $118 million for South Carolina, and $1.4 million to Vermont. This is the sixth round in a series of awards based on a rolling application process. Links to all of the six rounds of award announcements can be found online at www.taxcredithousing.com. The September issue of the Novograd Journal of Tax Credit Housing features updates on the exchange program and the Tax Credit Assistance Program, or TCAP. In addition, Our featured article of the month from the September Journal provides an analysis of some of the tax pitfalls of TCAP funds, as well as the tax benefits of exchange program funds, both of which developers should be aware of. The article also explains how the viability of some TCAP-funded developments may depend on where the credit agencies also award those developments some exchange funds. To read the article of the month from the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credit Housing, simply visit us online at www.taxcredithousing.com and click on Article of the Month in the News menu. Now let's get started with the highlights of a letter summarizing progress made by the CD5 Fund on several initiatives we discussed earlier this year. William Bynum, Chairman of the Community Development Advisory Board, sent a letter last week to members of the Community Development Advisory Board. First, some background. The Community Development Advisory Board of the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund, or CDFI Fund, is charged with providing recommendations on the policies, programs, and practices of the CDFI Fund. Last October, the Advisory Board established a new subcommittee. The subcommittee's goal was to identify the impacts of the current financial crisis on the institutions that are supported by the CDFI Fund, such as CDFIs, community development entities, or CDEs, and other financial institutions that are eligible for awards. 
The subcommittee was also charged with developing recommendations to best position the CDFI fund to support the efforts of those institutions to serve economically distressed communities. The subcommittee gathered information from the community development finance industry and in March made several recommendations to the CDFI fund. In his letter last week, Advisory Committee Chairman Bynum said that he was pleased to report that significant progress has been made implementing the subcommittee's recommendations. He also noted that CDFI Fund Executive Director Donna Gambrell is committed to continuing the efforts. Regarding the subcommittee's recommendations related to the New Market Tashkota program, Chairman Bynum reports that the CDFI Fund has held multiple meetings with the Treasury Department's Office of Tax Policy regarding the suggestion to exempt NMTC investments from the Alternative Minimum Tax, or AMT. His letter says that the Office of Tax Policy is in the process of determining, based on data that the CDFI Fund has prepared for it, the budgetary impact of such a proposal. Chairman Bynum then moved on to an update on several recommendations that address statutory changes that would enable NMTC investments to be used for home mortgages, increase investments in small businesses, or to make the tax credit a deeper subsidy. In the letter, he says that Director Gambrell has met with Assistant Secretary Michael Barr to discuss potential changes to the NMTC program, but it has not yet been determined whether or not these changes will be pursued. Chairman Bynum writes that the CDFI Fund believes that many desirable outcomes could be achieved through changes to the IRS regulations and the CDFI Fund is pursuing further discussions with the Office of Tax Policy on these matters. Regarding the targeting of NMTCs, the letter says that the CDFI Fund believes that it has been successful in steering NMTC investments to severely distressed communities via the application process. The letter notes that to date, approximately 75% of NMTC investments have been made in census tracts that have a poverty rate of 30% or greater, a median family income at or below 60% of area median family income, and or an unemployment rate of at least 1.5 times the national average. Nevertheless, Chairman Bynum reports that the CDFI Fund recently put out a solicitation for comments regarding the NMTC application review and selection process, and will certainly give further consideration to this issue based upon the comments that it receives. He also acknowledged that the Obama administration has requested in the President's fiscal year 2010 budget that Congress extend the NMTC program through 2010, with $3.5 billion in tax credit allocation authority. His letter says no determinations have been made yet regarding whether a longer-term reauthorization can be supported, but discussions will continue on this important issue. A copy of Chairman Bynum's letter to the Community Development Advisory Board can be found on the CDFI Fund website at www.cdfifund.gov. Now, let's talk about the results of a report examining how Proposition 1C, the Housing and Emergency Shelter Trust Fund Act of 2006, is building affordable housing. A report released last month by the group Housing California shows that Proposition 1C, the Housing and Emergency Shelter Trust Fund Act of 2006, is building affordable homes for those in need, as promised by its proponents. In 2006, Proposition 1C was approved, with 57.6% of California voters in favor. With a grant from the Ford Foundation, Housing California evaluated two of the new programs funded by Proposition 1C. They are the Transit-Oriented Development, or TOD, Housing Program, and the Infrastructure Grant Program, or the IIG Program. Housing California evaluated the first round of funding awarded in 2008 by the California Department of Housing and Community Development. The report analyzes the affordability levels of the awarded projects, identifies the key factors that differentiated winning applications from those that did not receive funding, and it examines how the number and affordability of homes built would change under different scoring criteria. 
The report found that the TOD program will help finance 3,608 homes within walking distance of transit stations. Of those homes, 1,771 will be affordable to low-income families. The report also found that the IIG program will support the development of 9,905 new homes in urban infill areas, close to jobs and transportation. Of those homes, 4,826 will be affordable to low-income families. Despite these encouraging initial results, the evaluation of the first-round awards also suggested room for improvement to maximize the beneficial aspects of TOD and infill development. Housing California says it will analyze each program's second-round awards to assess the impacts of changes in the scoring criteria and other program components. The report and its executive summary are available on the Housing California website at www.housingca.org. That's www.housingca.org. Finally for today, I'd like to remind listeners that today is the last day to nominate an affordable housing tax credit property for the Developments of Distinction Awards. To submit a nomination, just go to www.novaco.com. I encourage all of our listeners to nominate a project, even those that they are themselves personally involved in. Also, in case you missed it, a replay of last week's webinar on the Qualifying Advanced Energy Manufacturing Tax Credit is available, and you can download a recording of the session. The webinar on applying for the Advanced Energy Manufacturing Tax Credit presents an overview of the rules, eligible production uses, qualifying criteria, application details, a discussion of ownership structures, and business arrangements, and other tax and program considerations. Instructions on how to access a replay of the webinar can be found online at www.novaco.com events. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's report. Please join us again next week when we will discuss the latest news in the fields of affordable housing, renewable energy, and community development. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Music